Hello, welcome back to Straight Talking English. This is part two of the first episode of season two, or maybe episode two of season two. I haven't decided yet. I am your host, Catherine, STR8 Talk English on Twitter, straighttalkingenglish.com, Patreon slash Straight Talking English. Support the show. I will record something that you like that you've commissioned and if you donate I will give you a massive shout out and my eternal gratitude on the show. The YouTube series is coming really really soon, we just recorded the first one this weekend so when that drops I will tell you all about it and of course the full context series is on Amazon. I have got 5,000 words of something for this series. It's going to be an absolute slog. So as season four goes on, I'll become less and less cheery. So part one, we were talking about the 18th century. We're talking about kind of the background, the vibe of when our romantic poets were living. And last week was all about the good side of the 18th century, things that we like. This one, I promised you, would be the Grimm episode, where I talk about the flip side of the coin, some of the things that were going dramatically wrong for people. Alright, one of the things I mentioned was scientific innovation leading to factories. The UK is not an agrarian society anymore. We're not working on farms, we're in towns and we're in factories. Right, you know, you don't need me to tell you this, how absolutely vile and awful (laughs) working in a Georgian era factory was. We are talking the absolute grimmest of the grim. We are talking people yoked together. We are talking child labour. Engels, Friedrich Engels of uh, half of the Communist Manifesto fame said, I stood in Oxford Road, Manchester and observed the stream of operatives as they left the mills at 12 o'clock. The children were almost universally ill-looking, small, sickly, barefoot and ill-clad. Many appeared to be no older than seven. The men, generally from 16 to 24, and none aged, were almost as pallid and thin as the children. It was a mournful spectacle. One traveller described the quote-unquote poor wretches who ladled liquid metal in the furnaces who looked more like walking corpses than living beings. Disease and illness were a huge deal. You work in Sheffield as a fork grinder, you're going to get lung disease. You're a plumber, you're going to get poisoned by lead. You work in a hat factory, you're going to get mercury poisoning and nervous diseases. Leather workers died of lung disease and everything that's awful can happen to you. There are no proper doctors, no proper hospitals and generally everything is sacrificed for profit you are becoming what is Engels called part of the crowd of cripples um discipline is incredibly tough uh when i say discipline i mean like torturous conditions the management of the factory will live in cottages owned by the people who own the factory 
places like Bourneville near Birmingham think where Cadbury's also own the factory and the town. Social relations between the rich and the poor became very much bound by the laws of obedience and discipline. The lower classes needed to be kept poor. The idea that we should pay workers enough will just make them idle and drunk. Yeah, we are talking the middle of uh, gin, gin mania. We're talking Hogarth prints of like gin alley. Oh my gosh, L- look up Hogarth gin alley and beer lane. If you want to see the absolute heck on earth, which all this is causing. Living conditions are vile and working conditions for a factory are absolutely vile. We've got the clocking in, clocking off, 14 hour days, six days a week for like tuppence. It's just awful unless you are rich. There is no regulation. Obviously, another option you could go for is prostitution. Sex work is hugely, hugely on the rise. If uh, academic histories of sex work are something you are interested in, I can hugely recommend Dan Crookshank's Secrets of George in London. Or uh, there's a really fab book by Verso Publishing called Revolting Prostitutes, which is a feminist history of sex work. It goes from being something that's kind of like courtesans and kept ladies to being just like sex workers everywhere. Um, it's abs- it's really grim. It's really, really grim. It's that like pre-Victorian kind of... Oh, just the horror. If it wasn't for that, everything's... People just riot. People just riot all the time. People are so ragey about so much that's going on. Riots are a thing which is happening. I only learned about this actually last week, um, which really, really shocked me. An important date is June 1780. It's one of the worst mob riots of the 18th century. For seven days, between the 2nd and 9th of June, as I mentioned, there was uh, toleration towards Catholics for the first time in hundreds of years. That Macbeth kind of fear of Catholics was supposed to be out the door. But then Lorne... Lord George Gordon, very, very much a uh, extreme to bordering on crazy person, <laughs> decided to whip the mob in London up into an absolute frenzy. We had Broad Street, Golden Square, the chapels were burnt down. The mob ran down Hoban towards Old Bailey to try and destroy Newgate Prison. The prison was attacked with swords, pickaxes and sledgehammers. The building was enveloped in fire by arsonists. The prisoners were dragged away, but, you know, they were pretty sure they were going to burn to death. 
By Wednesday the 7th of June, the mob said it would storm the Bank of England and distribute its contents. Set free the lions of the Tower Zoo. They would tear down Bedlam, the uh, mental health hospital, which was mostly known as an asylum then. And everything is possessed by fury. Houses are demolished. We don't know how many people died. We think it's between 300 and 700, many of whom were killed by the army and guards when they were sent in. But you can imagine, like, if you know central London, if you can imagine, like, that whole road between the Hoban Viaduct leading down to Bank, and it's just full of people screaming and wanting to destroy. And that's not the only time that happened. When the price of bread rose, you've got another riot. You had 500 people crammed into Westminster Hall, and where they got the painted ceiling now, just trying to get themselves heard. Because the monarchy was not in the best state. You had what was called the Glorious Revolution, which is not really a revolution. So, James II, son of James I of Macbeth fame, was chased out the country in favour of... Um, oh, sorry, he's not James I's son. He's brother of Charles II. My bad, my genealogy is off. He gets chased out the country, his children are on the throne, you have William and Mary as joint monarchs followed by Queen Anne. Anne dies without a successor, so the Hanoverian dynasty are brought in. You've got George I who does not really speak English. You have George II who also does not really speak English or care. And then you have George III, who was actually doing pretty well until he, quote-unquote, went mad. There's a really good film called The Madness of George III. We have really ineffective kings. We have really ineffective government. And their solution to all this rioting and all this dissatisfaction is not to try and solve the problem. It's just to do a massive clampdown on any kind of meeting, any kind of like club that are looking to make things better, and you can just straight up be tried for treason. No one was, there was a very famous incident called the treason trials in 1794, but in everyone was acquitted. Basically, it's just this massive clampdown on any kind of free speech and freedom of expression. Britain declared, well, the kings, Britain declared war eight times uh, by the middle of the 18th century on different European powers. We are in a state of perpetual war with somebody. And as a result, it led to everyone being a bit cash-strapped in a forerunner to austerity measures. The government's solution was to put a tax on everything, including the window tax, which I quite enjoy if you want glass in your windows. You've got to pay a tax on it. So people are taxed within an inch of their lives 
to try and make up for the fact that all this spending is on war. Woohoo! French Revolution, obviously I mentioned last time, it was all looking pretty nice, pretty golden. Then, 1792, things descend into what is called the Terror. Laws which had been put in place to protect people from like sneaky underhanded influences became kind of a tool to repress everyone even further and it all just became a little bit guillotiney everyone got a little bit guillotine happy to say the least there is what's called the september massacre in which people are just herded into prisons and killed this is all on top of the fact that france declared war on well pretty much everybody as soon as the republic was declared because part of one of their missions was to bring liberty to everybody and yeah republicans in the uk were pretty pretty hyped about that but that kind of came as the result of war of course by 1794 there is another major player coming in in the form of general napoleon bonaparte as part of the wars that france was carrying on he was a general who swept to victory and became the leader of France. He later crowned himself Emperor, which I actually kind of enjoy because they invited the Pope to do it, and Napoleon was like, nah, I'm gonna do it myself, mate. This led to 13 years of what's called the Napoleonic Wars. This is where we have Trafalgar Square to commemorate Admiral Nelson at the Battle of Trafalgar, duh. And also the Duke of Wellington. So 13 years of just kind of ridiculousness of the Napoleonic Wars. Oh my days. I'm trying to think of a light-hearted fact I can put in at this point. Napoleon wasn't actually that short. He was the same height as my dad, clocking in about five foot five, and about the same height as Kanye West there you go that's your connection of the day (laughs) between Kanye West and Napoleon there you go I've I've lightened it up a little bit of course one of the other elephants in the room is that this is the oh god inverted commas around this one golden age of the slave trade people sort of Well, the vibe was, well, if we're not going to do it, France is going to do it. So we should keep the slaves so France don't overtake us and then we can still be the best. And, yeah, yeah, a lot of the reasons why Britain is becoming this fabulously rich country is on the back of the slave trade coming in through places like Bristol and London. It's not great. (laughs) is not great to say the least this is also the era where the slave trade is abolished so i guess that's an upside and big props to william wilberforce for doing that 
we also need to talk about the restrictions that are going on in society even though we've got free ish speech and it there are periods of free speech and periods where there are no free speech at all and when free speech is allowed and criticizing the monarch is a thing that we can do oh my days it gets really brutal they really liked poop jokes like if you look oh actually i went to the i object um no i dissent my bad i dissent um in oh no it wasn't it was i object oh my god i'm talking to myself ian hislop exhibition at british museum anyway that when it was on they had some fabulous examples of georgian satire which is basically the king farting on people and loads and loads of poop jokes so we do we do have some free speech at least a little bit but when it's clamped down um there are so many rules about how you can behave we've got despite the it's kind of weird basically we've still got a class system and it is very very rigidly enforced to the extent where if you're middle class and you're following fashion you cannot dress the same as an aristocrat or there is going to be problems you've also got this like movement towards um slightly more equality because we've also got um the rise of the middle class who are moneyed on their own but that comes oh god with some of the classic british empire prejudice that we saw in the bit of the series on sign of four we're starting to get very suspicious of people who are making their money in india and we are kind of right to do so if we're being honest because we have the foundations of the british empire coming in at this point we've got the first movements of the east india company into india yeah we have got dr johnson's dictionary though which is actually pretty awesome for the first time a lot of things are classified into words definitions a guide to the language that we can use though i do kind of love the fact that at some points he just got really tired and was like i don't know what the definition of this word is and yeah but as a result we have very sanitized language that you are allowed to use and not allowed to use so you can say the most horrid thing in the world but it's fray if it's phrased as a joke or a witticism or politeness or restraint then you can get away with saying it and this is not something that our romantic poets are really gonna be okay with let's talk about romanticism we've got throughout all this grimness this like tradition of escapist literature you've got plays put on set all over the world you you've got this escapism and that's what the romantics are playing on basically break the rules <laughs> poetry is an expression of feeling poetry is set exotically and 
far away. Poetry is about the everyday. It's in blank verse. It's not high-minded, noble subjects necessarily. It's things you see around you and how you feel about them. So romanticism is a really, really, really difficult thing to define. And we say, with hindsight, this person's a romantic, this person isn't. But they would not have called themselves that. The scholar Aidan Day kind of says that a lot of it's reactionary. He says that Wordsworth, who we would now say is a romantic poet, was writing as a reaction to enlightenment rationalism he would say that blake is also a reactionary so rather than trying to create a new style called romanticism he's writing because he's annoyed that everyone else is speaking politely and seriously whereas shelley and Byron, some of our other romantics who are creeping in, would also not have called themselves such at all. They would have called themselves, you know, just a plain old poet. Think about poetry in Shakespearean times. It's a good comparison. You have very set forms. This is a sonnet. This is about ancient Greece. Okay, I can talk about these things. I can use a specific meter. I can use a specific rhythm. I can talk about ancient Greece, ancient Rome. I can talk about how great the king is. Na 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 na. With these guys, we also have this is me. This is what I think. This individual relationship to the subject and to the form of poetry our romantics are also yeah all of them actually byron less so they're all really really political dudes they all have really strong views on politics <laughs> and this is an age of intense politicization People are literate, people are reading, and people are forming societies and getting involved in clubs and things like that. These are politicised, literate, angry young people with a lot of views. And these are going to be the romantics that we're going to talk about. This is an age of rebellion, of revolution, of excitement of science, of commerce, of trade. Yeah, it's a time of restriction, but it's also a time of innovation and creation. And what really struck me when I was reading about this wasn't how strange and different things are. Because with the, the Shakespeare stuff, it's kind of difficult to wrap your head around it to be like, okay, well, this is actually what people thought and said. Now, these Georgians, as we can call them, so we could say 18th century or Georgian people, <laughs> they are kind of us. They are that moment where you got a new piece of tech and you were like, oh, wow, mate, this is the future. 
So I just, I saved up for three months after living like a pauper and I've got myself a brand new iPhone, which is pretty cool. And I picked it up and I was like, oh my days, this is really good. I've got to do my face unlock. What? When you pick up a new bit of tech or you think to yourself about that first phone you ever got, 3310 mate, 3310 and you can download the ringtones. Yes then that is the Georgian attitude. You're like, wow, things are changing. Okay, you can have a view on that. You can be like, actually, I kind of prefer my 3310 to this big shiny iPhone, if you're that kind of person. But it's changing. It's changing in front of your eyes. The city that these guys are living in and growing up in is changing within their lifetimes hugely and rapidly i mean i can just about remember before canary wolf came up and that i mean that's an innovation man i've lived through the internet like i got the internet when i was 12 i lived through the internet i've got my phone now but imagine that but for everything you can move around the country you can have a cup of tea you can do all this stuff like i think it's quite exciting i also think i'm saying this from the position of someone who doesn't have to work in a factory for 14 hours a day but i think it was an exciting time so there you go there you go that's what's going on for our romantic poets kind of in their head i am just basically not going to explain stuff (laughs) much i might go over some of this again but in general if i talk about william blake and changes to the thames i'm sort of going to rely on you guys to remember about canals and the fact it's industrial so just just make some notes just try and remember this all right sweet right that is the bad side of the 18th century there you go pretty grim right moving on next week which is either going to be episode two or episode three because i haven't worked out my numbering system yet is going to be William Blake's London. After that is Percy Shelley's Ozymandias, Love's Philosophy, When We Two Parted, Prelude. And that is as far as I've researched at the moment. And then we're moving on to the Victorian era. So thank you ever so much for listening. Have a really, really wonderful day. STR8 Talk English. On Twitter, straighttalkingenglish.com, full context series on amazon i'm on patreon support my show get hyped for the youtube series by the way it's going to be awesome and i'll speak to you soon